You're now listening to the Something Good Podcast Network. Please press any key to continue. Welcome to this episode of the Couch Brotatoes. I'm Alex. This is Cap. And we've got Jeff Williams with us this week. Hey, what's going on, fellas? He is a dear friend of ours. You've been on the Something Good For You before. This is the first time on the Nerd-Centric Show, where we actually really get to dive in and show just how unbearable we can be to some women <laughs> oh yeah you know talking about uh you know i was talking about rock and roll in which i'm you know i'm ready to talk about crazy nights let's you know let's do it <laughs> you know, the best kiss wrong album ever show. oh wrong, wrong show <laughs> sorry russ <laughs> And actually, I didn't mean to say crazy nights. I meant to say uh, creatures of the night. <laughs> I know all y'all of that is coming to crazy soon. Night. I mean, y'all haven't gotten to creatures of the night, have Not you? yet. Not yet. To peel back behind the curtain a little bit, we're about to kick off uh, Unmasked. We're actually recording that later tonight. Well, you need to you need to figure out a way to have like call-in guests. I know you don't do it live, but it's right. like... <laughs> Because it's like, I want to call in and be like, because I know Rush is going to start shooting down creatures of the night real hard. <laughs> oh, the 80s is going to be fun with him. <laughs> yeah, so if you like Kiss Nerd Talk, definitely check out the other show on our network, the No Time to Turn Kiss Nerd Podcast. See, I don't, I'm not even part of your part, your podcast as a, as, a, as a staff member or, or on our personality, but I'm plugging your own show for you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. <laughs> and uh, you're the main co-host this week because even as the title says, The Krause Potatoes with Chris Morrison, this is one of the few episodes Chris is not a part of. He's yeah. unfortunately had to work, but the nerds must press on. Uh, I must throw out his typical... Uh, he, I know he would have opened the show talking about the fact that he was disappointed that Joey Diaz was not Uncle Ben. <laughs> no, frankly, <laughs> was, I am too. <laughs> that was an ongoing joke of his for a bit. Um, at the end of the show, we usually say, you know, and Chris, do you have any sort of final thoughts for us? And he's like, Peter, I fucked you at me. <laughs> and he's just like, if he doesn't show up as Uncle Ben, I'm going to be so disappointed. I've already seen uh, memes where people are talking about who who Uncle Ben was. I mean, who Uncle Ben was. And like, I've seen like Joe Pesci. And... <laughs> I've seen that too. <clears throat> yeah. So that's for you, Chris. But as that goes on, uh, Jeff, we, we already know about Chris's backstory on Spider-Man. What's what kind of kicked you off in actually knowing about our web-headed friend? Well, you know, um, I don't, I don't know uh, Chris's age. Uh, you guys are like in the the late twenties, early thirties. Yeah, Chris, he, Chris he's in his same late, one. Yeah, yeah. Same. you know, I'm 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 more pushing. You know, I'm fifty, going on fifty here in the next year or two. So I kind of grew up in the seventies and eighties, and I think most people my age know about. Spider-Man from a couple of sources. One would be the the 1966 um, Spider-Man series, which mm-hmm. you know they did one for um, most of your. You know they did one for Fantastic Four. They did one for Thor, Iron Man. They did, they did a bunch of them, but the Spider-Man one was the real popular one. And then, yeah. you know, when I was a kid, those were still they would play those on TV. They would play those. You know, those were still in syndication and reruns. So right. I would watch a lot of that. And then in the 80s, they had Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends, yeah. which was Iceman and then 
Firestorm. Firestorm. The things that is Firestorm or Firestarter. And, and it was basically a character they made up for the show. Yep. Now they have they have included them at some point. I think it was a her, right? It was. And they included her down the line, which I always thought it was weird. They had Spider-Man and Iceman. Right. Yeah. And it's like, it's like well, that's who you picked? Yeah. I mean, like, 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 you get this whole Marvel Universe, and that's the guy you pick? Uh, uh, like, an uh, an X-Man? Yeah. I was like, okay. I mean, I, I, I'm good with you. Whatever. <laughs> we, we can do that. But so, so I knew about that. And, um, you know, now we live in a, in a very... Where, where comic books are part of the of, pop culture psyche of the pop at this culture. point. They're very much mm-hmm. embedded in pop culture. But when I was a kid, comic books were really, they were nerdy in a sense that, in, in a way that it's not cool to be nerdy. Right. Like, the, you know, you didn't, you know, when you was a kid, you didn't admit to liking comic books. You didn't, mm-hmm. you know, there was, if you had a comic book nerd in school, you had two or three, and I was one of them. Right. And I got into comic books um, probably in the, in the early to mid '80s because you know how did you ever have someone that used to go door to door like kids would come like you know they sell they would sell Girl Scout cookies or whatever yeah right well they would sell magazine subscriptions that way as well right when I, when I was a kid and I remember one time they came over and they had uh, you get um, Marvel subscriptions uh, and it was like five dollars you get a year's but it, oh wow but it was. It was Transformers, GI Joe, and then it was like My Little Pony. Like it was only like four, four <laughs> you could choose from. Right. So I picked, I picked, uh, I picked GI Joe, and my brother picked Transformers because those were hot at the time. I mean, like oh, yeah. the toys mm-hmm. and the cartoons were hot. So Marvel had a license to get that. So I would get, um, I would get GI Joe, and, and my brother would get Transformers, and. The cool thing, I mean, the cool thing now is that those books are actually kind of well respected mm-hmm. as far as comic book collectors go. It's because they actually paid attention to the story, yeah. also. And you know, they were they were they they've aged pretty good. Well, anyway, <clears throat> because you know, when you start reading them, you find that oh, you know, there's you know, this is where this is where Spider Man, the, the cartoon, so you know, kind of comes from these comic books. So I would whenever I could. I lived out in the country, right? So there wasn't comic book shops close to anywhere near I was mm-hmm. and very few places would have comic book racks. Right. But just, you, you, it was impossible to get comic books unless, I, unless we came all the way into Charlotte. Yeah. And, but I eventually, you know, started getting them and I started making my way and I would just get whatever I could. I mean, if I, if I had $3 in my pocket and you know, comic books were 75 cents, I'd get what I could. And I always tried to get a Spider-Man comic, whether it was amazing Spider-Man, um, spectacular, Spider-Man, Peter Parker, or Web of Spider-Man. I, mm-hmm. Whatever they had, I would just try to get. And because it was real inconsistent, I would get like, I would, let's say I got like Spider-Man 263. Well, the next time I, I was able to get an Amazing Spider-Man, <laughs> it was like 271 or something. Right. So it would and be, not to mention that like Spectacular, Peter Parker, Amazing, and Web weren't the same stories. They no. were all completely different stories with different canons things that have happened in that specific timeline. <laughs> now they occasionally they they occasionally would all tell the same story mm. like uh, Craven the Hunter. They would they would all line up at the same time. Yeah. But for the most part I always thought it was weird it was like in the same month Spider-Man's fighting the Green Goblin. Mhm. 
on one side of town at the exact same time. With a to be continued. Yeah. At the exact same time, he's fighting the Sandman. Right. <laughs> and it's like, it didn't make sense. I always thought like, okay. I didn't really put too much. It, it, it didn't ruin it for me. Yeah. But you also didn't like put enough thought into it. Yeah. I, I would think the same thing too. So I got whatever, you know, um, you know, that really endeared me to, to Spider-Man and Marvel in general. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't say that Spider-Man is my favorite Marvel character, but... I mean, he's up there. I mean, he's, you know, I think he's, uh, you know, he's the, the the DC, I mean, he's the Marvel version of Superman. Right. Yeah. He's like their flagship he's, property. He's like I Mickey think. Mouse. I mean, he's, you know, he's Bugs Bunny. He's the, yep. the flagship character. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, I became a, a fan from a very early age back in the 80s. And it's weird. Like, I love hearing stories about that because, like, you know, I'm uh, in my early 30s, so Spider Man didn't really hit the outside of car- uh, cartoons in the 90s. Uh, Spider Man really didn't, like, permeate among, you know, say, my friends right. across the board until the movies came out. And, and, and the thing with me, I've kind of kind of said that you know the 90s animated series was my intro to it and it's like i, I kind of had a few things lined up mom got me a dual vhs set that had spider-man and his amazing friends episodes on it so i grew up with those and then she also got me a dr doom box set of two spider-man episodes and i mm-hmm. swear to god one of the episodes is dr doom flying in a blimp <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that was like his main mode of transportation and like you will fear my blimp and it's just like oh no <laughs> and, and i also remember there was like an ad for like the maximum carnage snes video game at the mm-hmm. beginning of it with like carnage towering over new york city and it like turning red and all this other stuff so it's like that was my main i remember liking all that the weird thing is though is i don't remember being excited for the movie to come out that's the weird thing i know i was a fan before the movie came out and i was interested in the character i had the action figures all of it for some reason, the idea of the movie passed me by, but I remember finding out about it like a year later when the DVD was coming out. That's when it finally like clicked. I was like, oh, I want to see that. She let me rent it, and it's like, I'm surprised the thing didn't warp. I watched it so many damn times after she bought it for me, and then after that, those were the years I started getting like the, the 60s animated series box set and everything else, so it's like, the comics was similar with you and me, though, because I... I lived in Gaffney, South Carolina, and there was no comic shops, though our Food Lion and Winn-Dixie still had the spinner rack. Mm -hmm. So it's like I could still pick up random issues of things there. But then I remember during Spider-Man 2 is when I got hardcore like hooked of like, Mom, I want the comics. I want comics, that, that kind of thing. She bought me a subscription through the mail thing, so I got a bunch of the Ultimate Spider-Man runs. Uh, around that time is when you and I, you and Jeff, uh, we went to one of the Comic Cons here in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was slowly feeding into that. And that's why I got that Ultimate Spider Man thick book because mm-hmm. I had already started reading that line anyway. Uh, but then there was a comic shop in Spartanburg, South Carolina. And that was about maybe 40 minutes from us. So, and it's like the only time I could go over there is if we went to the mall. It was across the street from the mall. And I could beg her to let me spend like 15 minutes in there because she, for some reason, even then, it's like, it's like I didn't get it as much from my peers, but like mom was still like, gotta deal with all these comic book shop people. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like, I was having to just deal with her. And she's like, it's like, and it was that weird dichotomy of like, she, always supported the things I liked but she would do it very begrudgingly at times <laughs> comic book shop yeah people. I mean you know it's kind of like anything else if you if you're not into that um, 
if you're not a diehard on a lot of that stuff, it's hard to like be around it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. and that's what I do with anything. But but she enjoyed the movie. Mm-hmm. She would sit and watch the movie with me, which I, and I kind of found out later on actually this year that she actually like remembered a lot from those movies because she would watch it with me. So apparently, she did enjoy the movie. She just could not stand being in a comic shop or around that kind of thing. Well, comic culture is like anything, any other kind of like I don't want to say uh, subculture. It's it is. Fan culture. Well, when, whenever you're not immersed in it, you 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 can feel a certain amount of snobbery. Yeah, there is. I mean, like, and, and whether it's a comic book shop or, or like a or tattoo shop, our music fans, like, even. Yeah, like, 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 like let's say uh, that's a good one. A uh, 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 guitar shop. Mm-hmm. Guitar shops and, and tattoo shops. I hate both of them. <laughs> <laughs> Cannot stand going to a tattoo shop and get a tattoo. Um, doesn't mean that I hate tattoo artists. But it just, you know, you go in there and it's just nothing but talking about tattoos. And it's like, you know, you get a real ballsy tattoo artist and he'll kind of look at your arm and be like, oh, yeah, I'd have done this. Who did that? You know, and it's, uh-huh. and it's like, uh-huh. look, I'm not looking for critiques. And then they start showing pictures like, yeah, I did this last week. And I'm like, you know, and same way with guitar players. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> no, he's absolutely right. <laughs> and so it's like comic book shops, uh, they're no different. And, and, no. And, 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 you know, you're talking about, I don't know how it is today, but comic book shops used to be run by guys who never got laid. Mm-hmm. So the only way they could really like flex, flex yeah. is, is, is being uh, being who could be who could know the more minutia of of comic books yeah. over each other, and that's how they like they would like stick their chest out. And, so, and, and that is which is funny. Uh, and, and everything you're saying is totally true about that shop I went to. And the other weird thing about it too is, even though I was getting into it when things were stored, because there, I still see a difference between pre and post MCU with it being part of like subculture. Mm-hmm. So it's like it was becoming a lot more part of pop culture during that time of like the Spider Man and X Men movies, but not in Gaffney. Not in Spartanburg. They still weren't latching onto it. So it's like, even though I was digging into it, not a lot of people around me were. So I still kind of felt like that weird sense of like the 80s vibe of like, oh, well, this is still my thing and people are still laughing at me because I like Spider-Man, you know, that kind of thing. So because people were still much more interested in like the Matrix well, and you know, things like that. The, 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 your rural areas are always going to be a little bit behind. Yeah, you know the, the rural America is always going to be a little more. Uh, I don't say reluctant. I don't mean it to sound snobby. They just they just don't. Well, I mean, all three of us come from it, so they it's don't, like they don't yeah. uh, dive into the newest uh, pop culture trends or, or, or crazes at the time. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you, um, being someone who was into comic book stuff. At a very early age, and you know, before the the boom of the comic book boom, mm-hmm. which has been going strong now for, you know, thirty years. Yeah, it really has been. Maybe not to the degree that that it is now, but back before nineteen eighty eight, it was nothing. There was no comic book culture. It didn't exist. Comic book conventions were very small. Um, what had happened in eighty eight? was Batman came out. I was out. about to ask. The, the Batman movie came out, and we finally got to see 
a semi-serious look at a comic book character done really good mm-hmm. because you know Batman before before that came out Batman was Adam West and mm-hmm. Kapow it was know, goofy it was boing, goofy boing, boing. and it was it was campy which is great yeah it's great um, pop art from yes. the 60s but um, is it a good representation of the character not fully so when 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 the Batman movie came out I mean I would have I would have camped out if I could have yeah seen that movie it was huge it was a blockbuster and it kind of started it kind of started that love of of uh, what what else can we do we got a, we got a, we got a Batman movie mm-hmm. like what else can we do and it was a real slow process because the only other one that had any sort of success was Superman so everyone's idea of the superhero was just mm-hmm. the clean cut indestructible you know alien <laughs> yeah you know they did they did Superman in the seventies. In fact, it came out on my... F- the first Superman movie came out on my fifth birthday. Oh, wow. And nice. I went to it. I saw it yeah. on my birthday. I remember it. But there was a, a real lag there. They, mm-hmm. they tried doing other super, uh, superhero things. They did uh, Spider-Man TV shows. They tried doing... The Hulk. Yep. They tried doing the Hulk. The Hulk was... It was successful. successful. It was successful, but not for reasons... Um, it wasn't MCU. It wasn't comic book accurate uh it was it was really more of a drama than anything cue the sad hulk music <laughs> well, yeah, yeah and, it, and, it, and it was you know he was a loner and it and it it was a successful thing that worked but nothing as big as superman until batman came out yeah, and yeah, yeah superman came did, did, did four movies two were big the third one was big, but it was dumb. And then the fourth one was, was just utter just was it. Yeah. And they, and they had tried doing other super Superman things like Clark and Lois. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had tried some doing some different things. And it just it wasn't taken. When they, did, when they did Batman with Tim Burton, then studios were like, oh, we, we got something here. Now, it took a while before they were actually able to really do more. They tried a couple more times to do things. You know, everybody knows about the Fantastic Four movie, which mm-hmm. was a whole documentary about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did Rocketeer. They tried. Yeah, they, a lot of obscure things. They tried, they tried doing whatever they could. And they even tried Spider-Man a few times. Uh, they didn't get through like any sort of actual test yeah, screenings. Yeah, yeah but, were, they, but it was being passed around and getting different directors involved. There and this have and been the other. dozens of attempts to do Spider-Man, but thankfully they never did it. Yeah, before Wasn't they are going to be like a James Cameron Spider-Man. Yeah, <laughs> yes. no, James Cameron was supposed to do Spider-Man. Uh huh. But anyway, getting to uh, you know, so by the time we really started kind of figuring out this this CGI thing uh, with. Um, I'm kind of getting too long-winded here, but like, not really. It's fine. We, we, we do it too. <laughs> yeah. But once they realized, okay, we can, we might be able to really approach this by by the early 2000s. They uh, it was like the X Men, the X Men, and um, they so they 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 put it out there, and mm-hmm. it's 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 real easy to look back now and just be like, wow, those movies really missed the mark on some things, but. At the time, they were huge. They were huge, and it was the first time we ever got to see like real, you know, webs being shot out and swinging in a way. Yeah. And it's, um, and we'll get more into that going in, but we could not get to where we are now without those early X Men and and uh, Spider Man well, movies, well, well, and even with, Daredevil. Well, with basically what what came before, yeah, you know, 
Because it's still, like we were talking about, it's still a relatively new thing, a successful superhero movie, but now they're just, you know, all over the place. It feels, like, out. it feels like every two months it's a brand new one and with bigger numbers, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of here and there too. And actually, before we fully get into it, and uh, not to get uh, too deep in the woods because uh cap knows this uh have you finished hawkeye yet yes okay so he's we're gonna do a full retrospective on hawkeye but i feel like that's even kind of important to discuss for a second before even talking on this because we've discussed now how important the original raimi movies are and now we find out that the daredevil series through hawkeye is now fully canonized so it Mm -hmm. feels like the mcu right now is just kind of doing look everyone can play which I think is kind of an interesting move by them. All those because that, before they've been very much in the bubble of like, no, only what we so go back to that nerd culture thing. No, only these little things in this bubble is going to be part of the canon. And we're going to make sure that this doesn't happen and this doesn't happen. And within the Loki series and now Hawkeye and now Spider-Man, because guys, if you're if you haven't seen Spider-Man by now, A, come on, B, why are you listening to this? We can talk freely. Between these three movies or three series now, they're kind of just going Look, everything's free game. So I wonder if they're going to do the same thing with the X-Men now. Well, they've already have. Have with what, have they confirmed that the X-Men series that we've seen is now part of the canon in some way shape or form? Well, well they they already have. They 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 had, you know, we talked about this before. They've already utilized the Quicksilver from from the X-Men, you know, right. they, But mean, but he he wasn't him technically. No, but that was that was that was Marvel's way of, of winking at the at you yeah. at the viewer and being like, guess what? Big things coming. Mm-hmm. Big things the are same coming. Same actor and everything. You know, and we're going to try to get wh- what we can. They they really you know they want to be able to pull over as much as they possibly can. Yeah, yeah. And you know, a lot of that depends on behind the scenes business. You know, um, and it's always seemed to be a slow burn, but it always pays off. Yeah, because this whole even with uh, the Matt Murdocks and all the uh, Daredevil characters that we see in uh, the Hawkeye series and all that, that's been a slow burn. Like that entire series didn't come out until what, 2012, 2013 on Netflix. It's no, been I think it was it was it was at least 2014 or 2015. Either way, it's been out for a while yeah, now, and they're a- just now being integrated into mm-hmm. uh, the MCU. Well, once Netflix lost, I mean, the contract ran out on the Netflix. Marvel had to wait three years. Mm, okay, they, they had to wait three years from the from the last airing of of that product uh, whenever they, it ran out till when they ever they could use it. Okay, and it was a contractual thing that that, that Netflix had had kind of built in. Gotcha. Yeah. So that's they've basically just been waiting for that that um, that non compete. Yeah. And we can talk about Murdoch in a minute, but I think that uh, I think they they're doing a fantastic job with keeping Kingpin really good. I think he was portrayed very well at the end of Hawkeye. He was good on the Daredevil series too. Well, well that's he, what I'm saying. They're doing a good job bringing over mm-hmm. the right kind of characterizations. Well, they they, they did a smart thing, and they you know of course you got to bring. No one's going to accept a Kingpin of anybody else. Yeah, mm-hmm. you can't get any any other fat guy. Uh, <laughs> bald fat guy with um, you know to play that role that anybody will ever accept yeah no I mean and not until he dies because I mean as a fan of that kind of stuff I don't want to see anybody else do it just like same I with J. Jonah Jameson J, say, yeah. J, J.K. Simmons I don't want to see anybody else attempt to do it because it was done right the first time actually there's been other kingpins but 
the one that we all know is Vince D'Onofrio. Mm-hmm. Did a real good job. The, what they the smart thing they did though is they tweaked him a little bit. Yep. Because he is one thing. He's kind of kind of low rent now. Right. You notice he didn't. You know he, he kind of had like the beaded curtain in mm-hmm. his mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, he was he didn't have a tie. He had like a open collar. It was a callback to actually a Spider-Man issue and of he, him in a Hawaiian shirt with exactly. the thing. And he had the he had the the cane with the, the the diamond you know thing on the end of it, which is more comic book accurate of the seventies. Okay, yeah. and they did that. You know, and of course, you know, I noticed it immediately, and it's been talked about. Um, and I think they were smart the way they did that. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that they were smart in the way that they they did that, and I and I like the way that they brought they brought him in. Which it really they didn't bring him in into the Spider Man. You know, we really were talking about Spider Man. Um, but you know, the, when they brought him in, they did that on purpose. Like they they timed it with the Sony with that movie yep. coming out at the exact same time. Absolutely, mm-hmm. they, they they were smart about it. Because that Kingpin episode aired the week before Homecoming, Far From No Way Home. They needed to change those, those home movies. Spider-Man, under- Sweet I- Home Alabama. <laughs> well, <laughs> I understand what they're doing, but at the same time, it's like, that was a little long-winded. <laughs> well, the next three, the next three Spider-Man movies are going to be school. <laughs> no, they are. They are. Really, it's going to be school, school days, school days, uh, <laughs> schools, uh, out. schools out for the summer. It's going to be school <laughs> stuff, and then because it, there's three trilogies that are being planned, but we get more into that. Okay, in yeah, um, but yeah, no. So yeah, the, he got the tease, uh, no, and the full. Did he only get the tease, and then was it the movie came out, and then it was the final episode? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So it's like okay. they did it just in time. You got your little tease at Kingpin, and then my ass <laughs> was immediately sitting in that theater Thursday night. Which side note? I know we've already gone long winded. I have to go long winded on this one too. I tried to kind of get stuff figured out for that movie ahead of time, couldn't, and then I got my tickets. And by that point in time, I had just gotten a new job. And I failed to think, oh, let me see if I could get tickets near my work. No, for some reason, my dumb ass still picked the theater that's all the way close to home. So I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. The closest one I could, uh, the best time I could find with like good seating was going to be at like 1045. So that I got off work at eight. And I'm like, okay, perfect. You know, that's all going to work out fine. Well, got off work that day at eight. Checked the Ubers. And it was all like, you know, 15 minutes like home. And I'm just like, ah. Okay, so I'm going to take an Uber all the way home, then a second Uber all the way to... No, that's going to be so much fucking... I'm just going to hang out here for a couple minutes. You know, just there's a Dave and Buster's. I'm going to hang out there, play some arcade games, and then head to the movie. I check the Ubers. I'm like checking it like every 15 minutes. I'm like, all right, I'm still good. I'm still good. I'm still good. And as soon as I click call on a certain one, it goes like 30-minute wait. I'm like, okay, fine. That's still good. It's still going to put me there like right as probably trailers are starting. Second one cancels. Third one cancels. Everyone starts just dropping off. I quickly realized, oh yeah, everyone's getting off work right now at <laughs> nine. Fuck! Everyone started dropping off, and as and it's so one of those situations where you're having that small miniature panic attack of like, no, this is opening night. I've already paid for my ticket. I've got to go do this now, and it's like, and then I had to, okay, doing that's not going to solve anything. Let me see if there's any open showings near me. And I found one. And so it's like, I got that. 
got a refund on the other, purchased the other ticket, got to the other theater with plenty of time. And I'm like, cool. Which theater is it? Or which room is it? Walk in the room. And I failed to realize that I purchased IMAX tickets in the second row. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, during the scene when Peter and MJ are FaceTiming each other, mm-hmm. I was literally whipping my head back and forth to catch those moments. That's that's hard to do, man. Yeah, that's happened to me once during Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Oh, it sucked. Yeah, no. So it's so my very first viewing, I still loved it, but it was very much inhibited by the viewing experience. So it was like I quickly got tickets for like a couple nights after. That's got a, very good seats and I enjoyed myself. Uh-huh. Well, and, and it's like you had the nice kind of reclining chairs. So I'm like, I was like reclined all the way back, like in hopes that that was going to help some. Yeah, not really. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say it's fucking intense. Like I, where I was sitting was like right where Doc Ock's claw like lands. Ooh. So I will say certain scenes like that were intense as fuck. Seeing it come basically all the way from the ceiling and land directly in front of you. That's pretty cool. <laughs> I'm sure on opening night, I'm sure it was still fun because I imagine everybody was reacting, you know, with, with applause and cheers. And oh yeah, like during those scenes. So, um, so what? Um, do we just want to go just a quick kind of run through of the movie, or do we just want to talk about what maybe our favorite scenes were? I think we, I think we kind of talk about like what we each thought about as far as like overall. What do you think? The you know, how do you? Like, what were your impressions? Good movie, bad movie? Or- uh, it's one of it's probably my number two favorite Spider Man movie. Uh, Spider Man Two is still going to be just number one. I feel that that's still just contained, filmed. It's like even the CGI holds up during certain seasons. Like, still you got rubber Spider Man and you know super smooth skin Doc Doctor in some scenes, but it's like. Exactly what you're saying earlier. You can kind of see past it because of the way Raimi did the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. It almost fits because of the his direction choices. This one, though, it's hard for me to say I love it and it's my favorite because I do truly believe that you can only like this movie if you gave a shit about the character at all during the Sam Raimi or uh, the second reboot versions. I feel like if you didn't really have an affection for those films or if you're brand new to the game, and it's not trying to sound elitist, but it's like just by the simple fact that so many moments of that movie are hinged on the fact that you kind of grew up with the other two, Mm -hmm. I feel like you can't say it's the best movie. It's more of a fan service movie, but a fan service movie done right. I think think it's an accurate kind of... uh analysis of it like say if we went and saw a batman movie and say adam west and uh michael keaton came back in a parallel universe type scenario with uh, a batman movie would would, would the typical 13 year old be as moved as someone that grew up with those characters actually getting to see them in the thing that we saw them grow up as well i think that it helps to know those things i mean i think that it helps to have been a fan to to have the initial pop, yeah, um, and I tell you, I was, I had some surprises, mm-hmm. and I don't think anybody listening to this is gonna be surprised. I mean, like you know, you did the spoiler alert thing, yeah, yeah. Um, I was surprised as being a guy that's forty seven, and I was in my twenties whenever the the first one came out, right. Uh, the, the original Sam Raimi one. So those are the ones that I am endeared to, right. Um, 
And I don't think they're perfect movies. No. I think they they did a lot of wonderful things. They, they were probably stronger in their casting more than they were anything else. They they almost always casted perfect, those Sam Raimi movies. Better than any, oh, Willem anything. Oh, Willem Dafoe, Alfred Molina. Yeah, even Tobey Maguire. I have no problem with Tobey Maguire. Yeah, um, they had the best Aunt May. Mm-hmm. You know, they 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 were smart enough. You know, they, everybody that they ever got. I, I love I love Thomas Hayden Church. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I like the idea that with Spider Man Four, you were going to find out that Bruce Campbell was actually Mysterio, and that's why he kept showing up in Peter's life yeah. as different characters. So, like, even that would have been a really cool cast. Now, um, I expected for people to be happy to see Tobey Maguire. Mm-hmm. I really did. But when, I don't know about the theater you went to. Yeah. Whenever um, Andrew Garfield Andrew Garfield swung through. Yeah. Everybody cheered. Yeah. You know, everybody Same in here. the audience cheered. Yep. And I was like, hmm, that's odd. Because I, I just always assumed everybody thought they were as terrible as I did. Yeah. <laughs> but I was wrong. Mm-hmm. Those, he the, stole the show, those, I thought. Well, yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. But... I was really surprised that people cheered for a- for Andrew Garfield coming on, and I'm gonna be honest with you, I didn't give a shit because yeah. it's like I didn't like those Andrew Garfield movies. I thought both of them were garbage. Yeah, um, and I thought they were doing him a favor by allowing him to be in that movie, right? Um, and I thought that okay, this kind of gets into what they were doing. You said that there's a lot of fan service and I completely agree with that. Mm-hmm. But this, that film was a maintenance film as well. Oh yeah. Now what, what I mean by that is it had to, uh, it had to accomplish several things. First off, you had to wrap up this, this three movie art, you know, the three movie trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, and you also had to, to plant the seeds for the next trilogy, which they did. We'll get in more into that with mm-hmm. uh, the, the, ending with the uh, the post credit scene yeah but what they did more uh sony the mcu marvel to a degree they had a real problem on their hands because this is the third time they've done a spider-man franchise yeah and you know this has been the most successful ver- you know franchise mm-hmm. uh for for the uh, attempt at doing spider-man the problem that they had is, do we want to see another uh, Green Goblin? They already tried another Green Goblin. It was terrible. Yep. Yeah. It's like, do we want to do another he, he Doc? He didn't get invited back. No. <laughs> do, we, do we want another Doc Ock? I mean, so in their wisdom, they wisely said, we can't reboot all these characters. Yeah. We can't go through all these movies and like give every everyone their time to shine. What can we do here? They were so smart. They said, "We're not going to do an origin story for the first in the first place. You already know what the origin is. It's already been done twice." Yep. Um, and we have we have two other Spider Man that are still relatively in good shape that everybody remembers. How can we like, you know, we're not going to make people forget about Andrew Garfield and Tony uh, Tobey Maguire. Or or, the, or or their cast of characters for their respective franchises. Well, let's not let's not try to make people forget it. Let's include them. Let's make yeah. them canon. Yeah. yeah. And the way they did it, and the way they have set up for years previous with with multiverses and, and quantum realms and and, uh, and you know uh, uh, timelines. Yep. Which is going to be how things are for a while. 
they they piggybacked previous franchises. Yep. And they that's why they, it was maintenance. They were they were like they were wrapping all that up. On top of that, uh, they already had. I imagine a lot of moviegoers and like you know more casual Marvel fans like myself thought that Endgame was going to be the peak. But now we've got a movie that checks all those boxes and holds up the maintenance, like you brought up. That not only does that successfully, but adds a new, uh, you know, a new thing for for uh, older audience members and mm-hmm. uh, you know Spider and you know more uh, diehard fans of Spider Man to latch onto and to uh, kind of you get that uh, nostalgic audience to uh, come uh, see this movie and and uh, bring new success. I'm terrible with my words today. But my <laughs> point is that we thought Endgame was going to be the peak, but now we have a new peak with the Spider-Man movie because of you know all the things that you mentioned. Oh, yeah. I mean, even internally, they were referring to this as Spider-Man Endgame. Yeah. And I've, something that you kind of touched on that I find very interesting, you said, you know, we're not going to do an origin film. You know this kid's origin. I think they masterfully told his origin film in three movies. So this may be getting a little bit ahead of himself, but hear me out here. At the very end of this movie, you see Peter completely broken. He's lost his mm. again, he's lost his Aunt May, which kind of fit in for his Uncle Ben character. We finally heard the sentence. Yeah. Toby and Andrew kind of draw the parallel to Aunt May being his Uncle Ben, now kind of implying that maybe he didn't really have an Uncle Ben or Uncle Ben wasn't that important in his life, which is fine now in retrospect when you look back at everything because he maybe didn't have a reason to be that selfish, I mean, the selfless character. If you look at those previous two movies, the main complaint all the big fans had was he's so reliant on the Tony Stark, you know, tech. You know, he's like Iron Man Jr. is is a completely new thing. He hadn't learned the responsibility portion yet because Tony was giving him everything. But we as the moviegoers were looking at it going, but he's Spider-Man. He's supposed to be... Well, they just tweaked his origin again. He was actually Spider-Man for a much longer time before he learned his true power and responsibility, mm-hmm. which shows at the end of the movie, no more tech. He's living in. He's finally in New York City. He never lived in New York City before. Now he's actually in New York with a police scanner, his homemade suit. And he made the responsible choice of not talking back to MJ and telling her who he actually was Mm -hmm. because he saw the Band-Aid. So it's like the boy finally learned true responsibility. He finally reached his end point like we need him to in the comic books. So they actually told his origin story across three movies. That's kind of the way I look at it now. And now at the end of that movie with his final swing... We have the Spider-Man we've wanted since Tobey Maguire's films. He is no longer a Spider-Boy. He is now Spider-Man. a Spider-Man. <laughs> so that's kind of my overarching theory, just talking about not even needing the origin story. We didn't, but we got one anyway in a very interesting way. With his Emperor Palpatine Lego toy that Disney just flexed <laughs> at the very well, end. Well, because that, that was his connection to Ned. So he's like his connection to MJ is the coffee cup. His connection to Ned was the little Palpatine figure because they were always working on that Death Star together. Okay. So he still cares about them. He still is going to remember them, but his responsible choice to keep them out of harm's way, whether they want it or not, is to still remain incognito. I watched this movie with a friend of mine and, and uh, his wife, 
who's uh who's pregnant and this this will matter in the story uh because like she's like getting all emotional during uh, a lot of the parts where you're supposed to get emotional but the very end where uh, he goes to that apartment yeah, yeah. and he's setting everything up and has his uh ged uh study books and uh-huh. everything she started crying during that going like <laughs> he's not even gonna finish school <laughs> <laughs> well see and even i mean again we're really getting ahead of ourselves but it is such a really good interesting scene especially since we're talking about what made the other movies important it's like it was very much a mirror image of peter's a second uh, the spider-man 2 apartment the, you mm-hmm. know give me your rent it's like it was this tiny little rundown thing and it's like there was a lot of really cool poetic comparisons and if you look at the suit people have posted high def images of it recently the front spider chest has the toby mcguire spider and the back has the andrew garfield one so they've actually combined the two spider logos for his new suit so i think that's pretty cool yeah and i'm sure that'll change it will but it's still an interesting little homage to being like you know him understanding now who he is wearing a part of the other peters that know who they are uh jeff brought up a good point about how uh andrew garfield's response was arguably bigger than okay so uh, yeah let's let's jump back to that no i was mine wasn't bigger um but mine was interesting so my thoughts in the theater when the crowd was really cheering and going on for andrew was they're excited because they know the anticipation. Because if Andrew shows up, mm-hmm. Toby has mm-hmm. to show up. So that's more or less kind of what I felt my audience was doing. Like as soon as I knew it was him, as soon as he turned around, I saw the eyes, mm-hmm. and it's like the nerd is like, "Oh yeah, that's the Amazing Spider-Man two costume." So it's like I knew immediately, but as soon as he took off the mask, everyone was like, "Whoa!" And a quick little clap. But the thing was, is as soon as Ned went, "Show me Peter Parker." And it sh- and the other one uh, sh- like as soon as the portal opened up behind him before the camera even moved to show it was Tobey Maguire as soon as that one happened so like three people in the back went oh shit oh shit like that and as soon as they showed him everyone like even the dude beside me that had been a, like a stone the entire time <laughs> even he like he didn't make noise but even he was like. Like yeah. that. And I'm just like, really? Like this felt like like the worst kept secret in Hollywood. Like people were honestly surprised it happened. Oh, my mom said the same thing when uh, I asked her about that scene. She didn't anticipate Andrew Garfield to come back, but she said the exact same thing when he popped up. Her first thought was, "Is Tobey Maguire going to come back too?" Mom said the same thing when she was leaving. She didn't know that was going to happen, but like she, as soon as she leaned over, she's like, "Was that the other one?" I was like, "Yeah." She goes, oh, "Are we going to see Toby?" <laughs> and I'm like, watch the movie. Well, you know, that's God, not, that's not my ex- mom. That's not the experience that I had. I mean, there was a little bit of, you could hear some people gasp a little bit, but it wasn't near as much of a pop as for Tobey Maguire as there was for Andrew Garfield. Really? Yeah. And it was there wasn't much. For me, I'm, I'm listen, I, I, they, those guys did a good job. Mm-hmm. Um, Andrew Garfield surprised me more because like, I felt like he was kind of like the heart of it. Yeah, I do too. Like I think Andrew Garfield kind of redeemed himself. Mm-hmm. I mean, he kind of made himself more human. My problem with Andrew Garfield has always been he was too good looking and too... <laughs> I've heard that over the years, He was too, too hip. Yeah. I mean, like, but you know, know what? I feel like they fixed it a little bit in this one. And the reason being, he was still as good looking and handsome as always, which is now my entire Facebook feed. Like, every fucking chick nerd friend I have is like, every single post is something about goddamn Andrew Garfield. So it's like, <laughs> yes, I get that part. But they made his dorkiness... 
a yes. little bit more, which offsets the good looking, which means that even though he may be a little bit better looking, his dorkiness is still yeah. keeping him from maybe having that full potential that his looks are giving him. They, stuttering, gorgeous Spider-Man. They, they, they did a really good job with both of those guys. And I'll be honest with you. Those guys were in the movie a lot longer than I thought they would be. Me too. Mm-hmm. My I, prediction was they were going to show up. Okay, during the trailer scene, Doctor Strange is on the new and improved um, uh, uh, Statue of Liberty. I thought they were going to come through during that scene. He's going to be fighting everyone, tra- failing, and it's just like all of a sudden, they swing in. Hey, buddy, you need some help. <laughs> I thought you were literally going to see each one for five minutes with maybe – a minute of crossover with all three of them. Yeah, I, I thought it would. I didn't think it would. They would take up that much of the film. They, they were in like half of the film. They did a. They did a fine job with it. Me personally, the the big the big oh, you know ooh moment was was the Charlie Cox. Yes, that that meant more to me than the other two. Yeah. So so actually, let's kind of roll through it because now that we've kind of gotten over some of the big points, let's run the movie. So, uh, it opens up immediately uh, where the second one left off with J. Jonah Jameson with the perfect Alex Jones yes. parody, <laughs> outing Spider Man, big swing through the city, uh, and then due to all of that crap, he's not getting into college, and that moment in which they're getting like interrogated and shit that's where we get our first moment with charlie cox Mm -hmm. and i was excited for that one when it happened because it was like oh that was one of the big surprises for me that one didn't get leaked i had a feeling it was coming well i knew it was coming i mean i had heard that he was gonna me too yeah i mean and i even knew that he was gonna be at the at the at the kitchen table oh okay yeah that's already kind of been out there like see i bypassed that one well i mean what's his name um um, the Tom Tom Holland, yeah, yeah, he yeah. he uh, he kind of let the cat out of the bag that there was, you know, that he was at the, you know, they filmed a scene at the table and he can't really talk about it. He was so excited. Oh, okay. And I was like, and a lot of people were speculating that it was Charlie Cox, and, and I'm glad. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, I'm I'm glad that it was. I think they did it really good. They didn't have him as Daredevil. Caught the brick, but he caught the brick. He did, some, you know, he had, he had one little like mini action scene. Yep. Mm-hmm. And How did you do that? I am a really good lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> well, what was funny is you know they they kind of they used that moment to tease the She-Hulk series. Yep. Because you know the. You know, when he said, you know, you're going to need a really good lawyer. Yeah. He wasn't talking about himself. He's talking, you know, you're going you're to see John Favreau in that. I mean, it might just be a second. It might just be, you know, a cameo. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they're really good at doing that. No, and I thought that scene really was great. And, and Mom was loved it because she liked the uh, Netflix series. Mm-hmm. So it's like if I was surprised going into it, I knew she was. I knew she was going to not expect it at all. So it's like when I felt that scene coming, it's like I had my eyes kind of cut watching her. And as soon as he showed up, like her face just lit up. She goes, oh, I know him. <laughs> I'm like, I know. <laughs> I, I thought that scene was great, too, because I love the Daredevil series, too. Oh, yeah. No, seeing him part of that, that just made me excited for like what the future could bring. Because I would like to see a Spider-Man Daredevil team up. They work well together in the comics. I they, want to know what he did to lawyer him out of the uh, whole thing because they spent the first five minutes going like Spider-Man's a fucking murderer, and then Charlie Cox shows up and is like, "You're good." Well, they, they kind of <laughs> explained it in the movie. I kind of missed it the first time, but watching it a second and third, I kind of understood what they're saying, which was he was just able to make a really good defense that because it was Tony Stark's stuff, right? Peter, since he has no ties to Tony Stark whatsoever, technically he's 
free game and that it was like all property that none of it actually belonged to Peter, which is why he kept looking at Favreau who's happy and just being like, you're still fucked, but I got this kid off. <laughs> That's the movie in the movie that I want to see, just I him think, lawyering, lawyering up. Oh, yeah. I think it's just, it was one of those things where it's like, don't think about it too hard. Right. Yeah. <laughs> just just know that he got him off. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, like, it's really not important. It's, it's, it, of course. You know, it's kind of like any movie that we watch where you're like, well, they wouldn't actually be that way. People wouldn't really react that way. Yeah. Just accept it. Yeah, it's a comic book movie. Just Come accept on. it. It's a comic movie. Super Lawyer went in there and said some words, and now everybody's free. Yeah. And, and, and let's be honest. In real life, it happens all the time. Yeah. That's you probably know? the most believable yeah. part in, of the in, movie, y'all. In, in, the, in the real world, it happens all the time. Uh-huh. So, um, He is the most famous person in the world. You know, and I, they use that as, as a vehicle to, like, bring up... Uh, Charlie Cox and, and the Daredevil character, yeah. Matt, Matt Murdock character, and which I'm 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 happy about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a little nervous about it because you know I don't know how I feel about them bringing Matt Murdock into into the MCU mm-hmm. because you kind of have the Batman problem, right? It's like well, Batman works great in Batman. Yeah, Daredevil's essentially Batman just blind. Yeah. Just a ninja with uh, hypersensitive. But you take yeah. Batman, and you have him in a world where half the people are superhuman, mm-hmm. have superhuman strength, and can fly, and have heat vision. Well, what's Batman do? Well, he's there, and yeah, he can make a difference. But he's like their tech guy. He's like, yeah, he's he's an IT guy. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, well, well, their T guy. I mean, <laughs> Daredevil works similar. Where it's like, well, he's he's great. At this like at this street level stuff. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Yeah. But then, like, when you start having aliens and shit and everything, it's like... Well, I think they handle them like they handled Hawkeye, which I think in that series, they kind of answered that question pretty well. You know, what does someone like Hawkeye do? Someone that doesn't have any superhuman strength and doesn't have any special abilities other than he was hired by some people due to his, you know, um, fighting skills. Mm-hmm. That's basically always got is, you know, good fighting skills. Any of us could train for 10 years and get really fucking good fighting skills like that. So it's like he's just a typical person. So what would he do? What does he truly bring to the fight? He brings himself. So I feel like they're kind of answering that even in Hawkeye because he's fighting someone like Kingpin. Mm-hmm. He's dealing with someone on the street level that doesn't necessarily require an Iron Man or a Thor to deal with. That might be a little bit overkill. You know, it's yeah. like we need someone like a Hawkeye, like a Spider Man. That's why he always kind of was odd on the Avengers. He's outclassed by nearly everyone except for Hawkeye. So it's like. Why is he on the Avengers? Well, because he wants to be there. He wants mm-hmm. to just make a difference. Otherwise, he is good as the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Deal with the guy in the rhino suit. <laughs> you know that that's yeah. a bit that's a bit above Thor's pay grade. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I guess the reason why because my the 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 Daredevil stuff is so much more cerebral. Yes, you know, it's so mm-hmm. much. It's you know it. Traditionally, the Daredevil character is kind of gets deep and it, and it has re- religious overtones. Well, I mean, Moon Knight does too, and we're about to get that. <laughs> and it's it's going to be interesting to see how they integrate mm-hmm. uh, Charlie Cox and and Murdoch, Matt Murdoch. But I'm you know I'm I'm open to it. I think I think the Marvel, the MCU as a whole, not just Spider Man, is like they're at a fork in the road now. 
Yeah. You know, it's like, well, we can go, you know, every, everything up until now has been one road. Mm-hmm. And it's all centered around the Avengers to a point, you know. And the Infinity Stones. And the Infinity Stones. And that's been from from, from day one. Yep. So it's like, okay, well now we're going to start branching off into some other other avenues. You know, we have your you have your street level type and your essentially just like God types. God types and your your science fiction y and your You're your, going right your, to where I fantasy. Think- so they're really gonna start kind of branching off. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not gonna see um Gamora show up on Cap and the Winter Soldier. Yep, you know, no. they're, they're, they're going to stay in that and they're going to kind of branch off and they're doing it, I guess, pretty good. Um, I th- Honestly, that it touches on something I was kind of thinking that they're going to do. I think they're going to have, I think it's going to make the Avengers movies more important when everyone does team up now because they said they're still going to do Avenger movies. But think about it. So we've got like a Spider-Man, Daredevil, Hawkeye class that's handling New York and small threats. And then we've got Guardians of the Galaxy and Thor. They're about to be on their own separate adventure. So now we've got our space crew. And then, you know, you've also got uh, you know all the other little small things. So I honestly think they're kind of making tiers of stories where it's like now yeah. we've got our low-level threat movies, our mid-tier movies, our high-tier movies. And then when we've got to, which I think... Um, we can discuss this later if you want to, but I think the next big bad, and it's not going to be Kang, is what's going to force everything to have to smash together and do another Avenger movie. Well, I don't. I think you can be a while before you see an Avenger movie. Oh yeah. I mean, I think you're gonna. You're talking four years. Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, you're. They're gonna. They're gonna give that a time to rest because mm-hmm. whenever the the Avengers come back, there ain't gonna be a Hawkeye. Mm-hmm. There ain't gonna, you know, well, there will be, but her name will be Kate Bishop. Yeah, it'll be Kate yeah. Bishop, but you won't see Clint Barton, yep. Jeremy Renner, uh, no Chris Evans, Captain America. You, be, you know, it's gonna be all it's gonna be all new people as yep. it should be, but really, because the Spider Man thing is gonna die down now. You're not, oh, yeah. you're not gonna see a Tom Holland Spider Man for a little while. Mm-hmm. What you are gonna see is you're gonna start seeing, you're gonna start seeing. Reed Richards, yeah, mm-hmm. or X Men, and you're going to start seeing X Men. Yep, and that's that's what's going to take. The that's majority. going to be your new mid tier movies. Those are going to be the ones that like that build up to like the big multi. Well, that's why I said I think Galactus is going to be the next Avengers movie. Uh maybe I don't. I, I'm not going to say yes or no. I, I I'm going to be honest with you. I'm terrible at. at, at <laughs> I'm terrible at predicting this stuff. So we're calling ball games and shit like that. Hey, I'll, I'll put it on record. I don't care. What's the over under on? Uh, hey, Doctor I was Doom? I was way off on my end game predictions. Oh yeah, I don't same care. here. I, mean, I, I was too, but I'm not always off. Um, and I think that the way they do it is that Marvel creates a buzz over here, and then mm-hmm. you forget about this thing. Yep. And then they come over at you know they like for instance. Uh, White Vision. Yeah. Where's White he's Vision still at? out there. He's just out there. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's going to show up at some point, mm-hmm. you know, and it'll probably be a couple of years from now, and he's going to show up, and everybody's going to cheer for a minute. Yeah. Probably, uh, I'll do this as a segue, probably in the new Doctor Strange movie. Maybe. I mean, Wanda's in it, so. Yeah. I think, I think we're just going to see the kids show back up again. It, it, it's interesting. I'm. I'm, I'm we'll, we'll get to that though. I think I think we can take a, we can probably wrap up and talk about that one because it ties in with a lot. But that's also a good segue into what happens next in the movie, which is uh, 
Uh, Doctor Strange. We're not, uh, or he gets involved. Uh, he's in the movie. How did we feel about Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange in this movie? Listen, Benedict Cumberbatch has not done one bad thing yet in the, in the MCU. I don't think so. He, either. He, he's been in my favorite movie. I mean, he, well, Doctor Strange is my favorite. Well, that's what really? I kind of that's what yes. I kind of wanted to ask. How do you think? Do you kind of look at him and his role in that as the shut up? It's a movie. Because it really feels like he just went overboard and like was kind of irresponsible with what he was doing. Because my initial theory after seeing the what if was that was actually evil Doctor Strange. Why else would he do something like that? N- no, And it seems like he would have also explained to Peter, who he does know as a kid, being like, look, when I start this, you need to shut up. Or, okay, well, you're saying everyone. Are you sure there's not anyone you still want to know? Let's talk through the spell a little bit more. Well, that's kind of getting into the... That's kind of like that's getting a little over nuanced. I mean, like, like, yeah, you can say that that well, he should have done this or he should have done that. At the end yeah. of the day, he didn't. And if you're just talking about it in in the reason why the movie happened the way that it, the way it just kind of did. Okay. Uh, the reason why that it happened the way that it did is um, doesn't really matter that much. I mean. It, the the blame isn't on isn't on Doctor Strange. I mean, he, what what he was gonna do would have worked. Yeah, had Spider Man or that Peter Parker <laughs> not not like have, changed it in the middle of the things damn happen, spell. You know, he was the one that caused everything to happen. I mean, and he just kept making things worse and worse. Every every move he did was worse and worse. Yeah. So um, I think that the Doctor Strange aspect is still in. You know, I don't think he's lost any. Uh, I don't say credibility. I think I think he is still doesn't take away from it. Didn't take away from yeah. Doctor Strange, and he's my favorite part of the MCU anyway. Right now, I loved his fight with Spider Man, and I and yeah. I love the fact that uh, Peter knew what kind of uh, uh, hexagonal uh, mm-hmm. shape or kind of like weird things was going on. He's like, oh shit, this is math. You're really good at math, mm-hmm. and it's like that's how he actually defeated Doctor Strange was through math. It actually showed his geeky, nerdy, smart side mm-hmm. to defeat magic, and I thought that was cool. And honestly, my favorite character in this whole movie was goddamn Green Goblin. That was yeah. The, that was the mm-hmm. Willem Dafoe we deserved, quote unquote, back then because it was cool because he got a second in the helmet and everything else before he was zapped back to the basement. But then after that, they set it up really well where they showed his Jekyll and Mister Hyde personality, and he's like in his clear frame of mind, and he's like no, and smashes the helmet. Perfect setup. Also, he goes to feast, and that's where he gets the garb. And that's where he just gets a hoodie and like torn up clothes. I like that it's move just, too. Yeah, they, they they were real smart about that. I, oh yeah. I, I, I don't. I think that. Um, uh, okay, listen. They could have kept him in in the in the uh, Power Rangers outfit. It wouldn't have bothered me, right? Because at the end of the day, it's Willem Dafoe who's selling, who's making you like or not like that character. Yeah, mm-hmm. Willem Dafoe is just he's he's great. So, but they were smart to get him out of the helmet. Oh yeah, though they were. That helmet has not aged well. No. But it wouldn't have killed it for me. Right. And I think that they, I don't know what they did. They they upgraded the the armored version of his suit mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah. Just to to be a little bit more threatening. I mean, it, the original just looked like a Power Rangers. That's what I always said, too. And um, so I was, I thought, I think they did a good job on all of them. I didn't give two fucks about Jamie Foxx uh, <laughs> in, 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 in the, the first time he played that character. I didn't either, but he was but great. He was, he was great in this. 
Um, I like. I always thought Thomas Hayden Church got got fucked more than anybody because his, you know, I love the Sandman and like that movie. Everybody hates that movie. Yeah. And he I, got a funny scene in that one where he sits on the couch and he's like, "Sorry," yeah. he's like trying to clean it and just making it worse. <laughs> but but I, I like the fact that they had him and then he was kind of a good guy, you know. Yeah. Because in the comic book, he was a, kind of a good guy. He mm-hmm. he kind of went back and forth. Where everybody else is a super scientist, he's just a, a low level thief. Yeah. I um I thought they did all that really good. What I don't like about the movie and the and them using all those guys is that part of the maintenance they were doing is like okay. We have we have the Tobey Maguire Spider Man. Here's all these characters that everybody wants to see. Say bye. Yeah. Say bye. Because, because, because guess what? We're going to give you three movies with Venom now. Uh, well, so I want to talk about something interesting. Uh, let's get super nerdy, and then we'll kind of wrap up because I know you need to go here yeah. soon. This is what's kind of created an interesting timeline paradox for me. Okay, so. In the movie, you during the Doc Ock exposition, you find out that people are being pulled from their universe the moment they realize who Peter Parker is. Mm-hmm. Okay, so for uh, Doc Ock, it's that moment right before he's about to sacrifice himself, and Peter takes off the mask, and mm-hmm. he's like, "Peter." So he gets pulled immediately then because I think the scene after is what he's talking about where he's got him in his group. Mm-hmm. So that's as soon as he gets pulled. Norman gets pulled at Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. which is way before Spider-Man 2. Now, I'm not going to worry about Sandman because that technically still wraps up that universe. That doesn't change anything. But if we want to go by endgame rules and Loki rules, that created two branch timelines in Toby's universe. So now there's three separate Tobey Maguire universes. Because there's a universe in which Norman finds out Peter's Spider-Man, gets zapped right back to Thanksgiving, and goes, yeah. "Oh, okay." Doesn't have that blow up with Oz uh, with his son. Doesn't have doesn't have the big fight with MJ. All of a sudden, that entire universe changes. Who knows if even Doc Ock gets his powers? Because part of I feel like part of what happened on that was after Norman's death, Harry didn't fund him well enough, which is the reason he had to do things kind of low rent. Because in this movie, you kind of see he and Norman have a bit of a relationship. Mm -hmm. So possibly Harry didn't fund Octavius enough, and that's why he even had the accident in the first place. Now there's a second timeline where Doc Ock gets zapped back into that universe and still dies. They didn't save him at all. (laughs) But where he gets pulled, he still has to sacrifice himself. Well, (laughs) you you know who Ying Bae Wamsi is? Yes. Okay. Ying Bae Wamsi's in the studio. Where's this going? <laughs> and he does like all this tapping and stuff. Uh-huh. And he messes up. Right. And he goes and he goes, okay, listen back, listen back. Mm-hmm. You hear that? I had a note messed up there. No one gives a shit. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no one. See? Like, like, That's like where all, I'm at too. All, all, the, all those like little loose ends. Listen, listen. When, when you start getting into time and, and multiverses and, 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 uh, and parallel universes and all this stuff. If you want to enjoy it, just r- r- be good with the fact that there's going to be so many fucking plot plot holes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, okay, I, and I'll, I'll throw you, I'll throw you two. Okay, you may have thought of him, you may not. Mm-hmm. First one is from this movie. Mm-hmm. It's like okay, well, they made everybody forget about Peter Parker. Yes. 
Well, what about all the signs that said Peter Parker and all the all the printed material? Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, did, did that stuff disappear? Yeah, I think it all just changes to Spider Man as it, a menace. Or does it does it just turn into? I mean, does the, does the paperwork and all that stuff? <laughs> does all the all the news footage that's that's on hard drives where they have talked about Peter Parker? All the 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 court documents. <laughs> Those things to disappear. I mean, sure, you made everybody forget about Peter Parker, but you didn't make people forget about. I mean, like, like you, you didn't make things disappear. So yeah, this, this is the movie in the movie. And you know what? Too. And, and there's a little bit of theory behind that too, because MJ is still wearing her Black Dahlia necklace that she got mm-hmm. during their trip. So clearly, not everything he's touched or been a part of disappears. Yeah. So, so that's even furthers your point on that one. Um, and I and, and the other one. Uh, this is kind of goes back to the end game. But how how, how did they how do they fix everything? They went to the quantum realm, right? Right. Yeah. So the quantum realm, the quantum realm does what? It put it sends you back in time. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yes. I mean, uh, well, it sends you into a point in time. Our, our, but we we are in agreement that it it puts you into the quantum realm, and when you come out, you're in a different point in time. Yeah. Yes. Well, is it also like geographic? Did it change your ge- your your geography? It's Back to the Future rules. <laughs> yeah, where you can kind of no, no, no. I'm talking about. I ain't talking about Back to the Future rules. Means like if you go back in time, you're still in that exact same spot. You're just in a different time, right? But whenever they went to the quantum realm, they showed up on Vormir. Oh well, because they, remember they had the little wrist things. They were able to calculate where they were going to go. Remember, because uh, different people had to go in different places. Yeah, but yeah, but but I get that. I just don't understand. Like, well, give me like make up a little bit of science on how that works. <laughs> I feel like they did a little bit. No, I see what you're talking about. It's like, like I see what I you're mean, talking about. Send us a DM. Let us know your thoughts. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean if 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 that is the way that it really works, uh, then. Transportation as we know it would cease to exist. <laughs> the airline industry would cease to exist. Cars would cease to exist. Well, Tony like, Stark invented it right before he died. And it, yeah. It's like it's like, well, I got to go across town. I'm just going to jump in the quantum realm and I come out in three minutes. You know, in, in three seconds. You know, down the street. Well, and I feel like the uh, uh, the the bald head lady, uh, the majestic one, whatever her name is, uh, she kind of explained that too. When you hop into it, when you jump into the past. Mm-hmm. Your the past is now your current future. You talking about the uh, uh, ancient sorcerer supreme? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, so she kind of explained there. So like even when you use the quantum realm and you jump it back into the past, the past becomes your new future, and you've basically cut the tail on the timeline but you see, were on. But see, that's that's my whole point about what I'm all the stuff I'm saying. Right? Who gives a fuck? I mean, like, <laughs> like, 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 you can sit there and 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 just like kiss nerds do uh-huh. to a point, you can you can. Put the magnifying glass so over it, you take the fun away from it. Yeah, it's like just, just, just. I'm the guy that goes to movies just to have fun and be entertained. Just, just accept, just accept it. Accept, accept the solo for the way that how it's fucked up. Yes. Accept all the 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 loose ends with the timelines. It doesn't matter. I mean, and, and uh, that's the way I approach it. Yeah. Um, well, let's at least leave on a positive note. What was probably your favorite moment or the moment that surprisingly got you like, because it's, it's an emotional movie. So it's like what maybe hit you the hardest emotionally you weren't expecting. We'll start with you, Cap. Probably the uh, Aunt May uh, death scene. 
Okay. When she uh, says, with great power comes great responsibility, I'm like, oh, at first I'm like, oh, that's nice. And then she starts fading a little bit. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. See, as soon as she said it, I knew it was coming because I'm just like, uh oh, everyone dies after saying that. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I was crying for a little bit after that. Yeah. No, that, that, was a, that was a good one. And one of my favorite fight scenes, actually, the big one at the end was a little bit whatever. My favorite one was the first one with Green Goblin at that feast right before he does kill Aunt May. There was that scene where Peter is on his shoulders just wailing on his face. And he stops just long enough for Norman just to throw out that cackle. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, like I literally got goosebumps when that happened. I'm like, that's fucking great. You think with the Aunt May uh, death scene, I know a lot of people got res- emotional over that. But I yeah. think part of it, too, is Marissa Tomei's performance and uh, how uh, kind of like a, in, uh, a delusional optimist that she was. Yeah. We're seeing the good in people, and I think that's what added to that scene too. Because when she's like taking Goblin in, we as fans of the old movies are like, "No, this this mm-hmm. guy's a monster. You can't take him in, this stupid bitch." Yeah. But, then, <laughs> but, but then when it happens, you're like, "Oh, this poor this poor woman." <laughs> oh no! But I think her instilling that is also what helped Peter become the true Spider Man. I think because so too. that was he was missing that in his personality trait. So yeah, I, he, he was missing the he was missing the earthquake moment. Yeah. yeah. Um. I. I like. I never liked her as Aunt May. I like Marissa Tormey, but I don't like a hot Aunt May. Yeah, me. I mean, it, it, I, I get that. I think the I think the original Aunt May is is the best and the only kind that they it should be an old woman. Yeah. Right. Um, I think that the original Aunt May was perfect. I don't want hot. You don't Aunt, want sexy Aunt May. I don't want sexy Aunt May. <laughs> and people of my age, maybe you guys, I don't know, people of my age. She's she's hot. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, no. So, so it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. She's like, always been hot. Aunt May. I don't have. <laughs> and, I, and I and I never liked. Uh, I I don't like the MJ. Didn't like Zendaya. I never have liked her as, as MJ because it, it's, it's a it's a it's just an age thing. Yeah. Like to me, MJ is supposed to be out of Peter's league. Right. She's he's supposed she's supposed to be taller. She's supposed to you know. But she's she's among the gang. But she's part of the gang. Yeah. And it's like eh, okay. Listen, I'm wrong. <laughs> no, 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 I'm wrong. It, it, it's the same as we were listening to that that Kid Rock thing. Yeah, it's like it's like something might be wrong, but if everybody likes it, something's you know, happening. Maybe we're wrong. I Who mean, knows? And, and I don't, I didn't, don't like dislike her as an actress. Um, I just, you know, I, I want, I want my kind of Spider Man, my kind of Mary Jane. I just wanted to be the way that I wanted to be. Right. Yeah. That being said, it didn't ruin it for me. Um, if I had a favorite part. I mean, I don't want to say that uh, it's hard to say what my favorite part would be. I um, it had nothing to do with Marissa Torme yeah. or the fact I I'm glad she died. Right. Not because I oh, fuck her. Mm. I like when characters die. Like Han should have died <laughs> in Empire Strikes Back. Right. <laughs> no, he should have. I mean, like. I like it whenever key characters die, it, like that earthquake moment for. It, uh, and it, as you as a viewer, it gives it gives. I don't know. It kind of draws you in more. I was glad that I knew she was going to die as soon as he 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 zeroed in on. Oh her. yeah, as soon I, as the glider like, showed up, I was like, uh oh. <laughs> and, and, and whenever she when she stood up, I was like, I don't give a shit. She's going to die. Yeah. And I, and I was glad not because I don't like her, but because that's what you need to make make give the story a little bit more gravity, mm-hmm. give a little bit more weight. And then that part with Andrew Garfield showing up kind of gives that, the movie brevity yeah, well, I was after gonna, that moment. Well, I was going to say my so my favorite fight scene was the first Goblin scene. The one that hit me the hardest was actually him saving MJ. 
<laughs> because I did not care for those two Amazing Spider-Man movies, but a broken clock is still correct twice a day. Mm-hmm. In the Amazing Spider-Man 2, her death scene was genuinely good. Like not maybe oh, the way the, the she got yeah. yeah maybe not the way she got there but the whole way it was filmed shot the way he's trying to save it and even the animation of like when the web goes out it kind of shows shows the form of a hand mm-hmm. so it's like it was done very well and even to the point of like he did save her but it wasn't the traditional like grabbed her by the foot and her neck snapped for a second you think he's got her. Because she just kind of, uh, but that tensile strength of the web, he did not account for. And that's when she smacked her head on the floor. And that, and they, the whole scene of like him just kind of realizing what's happening and all that, it was very emotional. And again, bad movie can have a good scene. So it's like, that was always like the one bit I was like, damn, that was really good. So him, his, because Toby always mentioned his reason for being was Uncle Ben. Andrew kept bringing up, well, I lost my girlfriend, Gwen, my MJ, and I've never been able to forgive myself for that. Kind of, And then talking about, you know, he quit pulling his punches and everything else. So it's like you could tell that Spider-Man was still carrying that hurt more than Uncle Ben. So for him saving MJ and then him breaking down like that, oh, my God, that ripped me fucking apart. I was just like, God, he got his redemption. Yeah. <laughs> well, before we leave, let's. Uh, I get, we need to talk about the... The post-credit scenes, yeah, really yes. just the scene. I mean, the the, 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 second the trailer, one, the second one, just a trailer. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, y- y'all can talk about that. I mean, <laughs> I mean the, the I'm looking forward to that movie, uh, the the Doctor Strange movie. Oh yeah, but so you know, if you haven't seen it, you know that. Um, it was it's Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy as uh, Venom, or is he Eddie Brock in this version of Venom? No, it's uh, okay. So yes. that that actually trails back a little bit further uh, in the. Uh, the recent Carnage movie, the post credit scene on that one is Eddie Brock laying in the bed and Venom's talking shit to him. And he's uh, he's like, you know, if I told you everything about, you know, the hive mind of the multiverse, your puny little head would explode. And he goes, OK, well, try me. And as soon as he starts, he gets sucked into the MCU and he sees on TV J. Jonah Jameson ripping on Spider-Man and the Venom character takes over him. And he's like that guy. Well, in the post credit scene, who shows up? Tom Hardy, Venom, is sitting at the bar. And the bartender is basically giving him a play-by-play of everything that's happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that scene was clever. Yeah. yeah. First off, so, I mean, just so you know, I don't like the Venom. Yeah, I haven't seen him yet. I don't like Venom. I, don't, I, never, I didn't like him in the 80s when he first came around. I hated him in the 90s whenever he had to be in everything, uh, in every comic book. It's not my favorite character. Yeah. It was clever seeing the way they did it. What they basically said was, okay, these Spider-Man, I mean, these these uh, Venom movies, they're not in the MCU. Yep. If anything, they're probably in the Andrew Garfield That's universe. That's what I'm thinking. So when you see, now you're going to see, you're going to see two Venoms. Yep. Because you're going to have the Tom Hardy Venom. Yeah. Well, spoiler alert. When he when he gets zapped back to his universe, a little bit of goose, a little bit around. of goose. So yep. you're gonna have? Are they gonna have? Are they gonna have Tom Hardy come in and do? No, they're not gonna do that. Why would they waste that opportunity to get another? You know, to get Brad Pitt or get <laughs> get somebody like that? You mm-hmm. know, and they'll have. You know, they'll have. Uh, they're gonna have a venom in this universe. Yep, and you're gonna have a venom in. You know, but they're still gonna have the Tom Hardy because those those movies do really good and. 
what are you going to do? You're probably going to see Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man again. Yeah. Because it's already in demand. People are crying uh, on, online about it. I just hope it. the movies are good because, again, I, he totally turned me around. They had that scene where Toby was like, you know, you're amazing. You need to just say it. And he's just like, no, I'm the lame Spider-Man. He's like, no, you're amazing. So would you just say it? He goes, oh, thanks. I needed to hear it. I'm just like, okay. Yeah, I, I feel you. But it's like, if they do the movies good, I'll be excited. Yeah, I think uh, they can do them fine. But you can... It, it, it's kind of like making a really good cake. You can make great cake all day long, but at some point, don't you kind of get tired of cake? Yeah. I yeah. mean, like if you eat the same thing over and over again. Um, so it's like, I'm, I'm kind of dreading it. It's like, okay, every, everything's going to be venom for the next... <laughs> for the, for the, anything that's Spider-Man related is going to be venom. We didn't yeah. talk about Lizard at all, even though he's barely nice. in the movie. He wasn't important in The no. Amazing Spider-Man. He wasn't <laughs> important I, in this movie. I, 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 I didn't... I felt about him the way that I felt in whenever I saw him in the, in the Amazing Spider-Man. It was fine. I didn't yeah. know. I, I thought I, he had that funny line of like, if you want a real makeover, I can give you a makeover. He's like, what? Turn me into a lizard? He's like, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, thought he had a good line, but that was it. I mean, it was it was fine. I didn't have, um, I wasn't tied to it. No. It, they could have been without him. It yeah. could have been without him. Um, but, uh, I mean, it was... I mean, I, they they really had to have him yeah. because they had kind of equal it out. Well, they mm-hmm. had they had two from uh, from the Raimi and then two from the Andrew Garfield. So it, it well, really, they had three from Raimi because Sandman was there and Doc Ock and Green Goblin. Yeah, I guess they did. Well, they had three movies though. Yeah. So they, you know, they the kinda, names from each. But if they, if it would have been all, if it would have just been, um, it would have been a little lopsided if they just had Jamie Foxx. Yeah. So I agree. Yeah. And you know, thankfully they didn't bring in like the green goblin or, <laughs> you know, the rhino. He, oh, he was although the, imagine uh, imagine silhouette up in the uh, universe open with the uh, dimensions opening at the mm-hmm. very end. You yeah. see his pump rhino silhouette. <laughs> imagine if Topher Grace showed up at the bar with Eddie Brock. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> to, uh, Tom Hardy. That actually would have been funny if he was sitting there. He's just like, I have had a crazy past few days, and he's and, and uh, Tom Hardy looks at him. He's like, Tell me about it. <laughs> 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 but yeah, so I thank you, Jeff, so much for coming in and doing this episode with us because you. You are one of my number one like comic book nerd friends and family members. Well, I, I can tie it. it always back to you. You know, there's a lot of comic book fans that we have in our in our little circle, but like not even all of them. Like Eddie's a big comic book guy. Yeah, and he don't watch the movies like the day they come no. out. So <laughs> no, are they on DVD? <laughs> so thank you so much for coming on. No in. And since Chris isn't here, Cap, do you have any sort of final thoughts for us? I'm excited about the new Batman movie. Oh shit, that's a whole nother episode. <laughs> well, there's one of you. <laughs> I just hope he sparkles. <laughs> Actually, I won't. Even, I won't even know if he sparkles because I won't go. It'll, oh, it'll, it'll be just like Eternals. I won't see it. 